Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love. I am here with J.D. Greer, and we are in the final two episodes of this series we've been in, this marriage and family series. So we've got two more episodes for you, and I think they're they're both really, really um, interesting questions to dive into. So we're going to do that, and today we have a question. Should Christians have big families? And maybe, I, I guess there's an addendum to this as well, should we wait to have kids? So should Christians have big families? Should Christians wait to have kids? What do you think? So Matt, what I hear in this are actually a couple of, uh, of questions. One, should we wait to have kids? You know, you got a newly married Christian couple and they're trying to figure out, you know, is it okay? How long should we wait? Um, and the other underlying question is like, is there a right number of kids to have? I mean, should Christians have big families? I mean, you, you kind of, you know, we sort of joke around our church that four is the new two. And, and what does that, you know, what does that mean? Is there a, is there a right answer to that? Um, you know, let me just start with this question of should we wait to have kids? There's a couple of, as with almost all questions in the Christian life, rather than like a rule, there's more like biblical values to hold in tension. Um, it is true. Proverbs 24, 27 tells the wise man, establish your work in the field and afterward build your house. And what, what he's indicating is, you know, if you're, a young guy getting out in the world um, before you try to build your house. It's good to be able to bring, whether it's a wife or children, it's good to bring them into a stable environment. And so you want to first, you know, get your career settled uh, or at least get it started and then bring that in. That can apply not just to marriage, but to having kids. I, I think that there's certainly some wisdom in waiting until you um, are able to have a steady source of income. Maybe you're not a student anymore. You're able to, to responsibly provide for them. That doesn't mean you wait a, a long time or that you need to be rich, but you at least don't want to be in the rocks. I, I think Proverbs 24, 27 speaks to that. But on the other side of this and kind of the tension point is that I would say in general, our society, our cultural moment, we wait too long to have kids and um, we don't put enough value on it. Uh, you know, especially in some of the more secular cities there, you know, they say, and this is not a joke, but there are more dogs than there are children. Um, and that a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, of the most progressive and educated places, the number of kids goes, go down. Um, the Bible tells us in Genesis one, a mandate that has never been abrogated or edited, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And I think it does honor God when we have a lot of children. I don't think that means a magic number, but um, I, I would just say that to fight against this kind of propensity we have to have as few as possible, because you really see them as like an accessory to your 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 life rather than um, than what God commanded, which is multiplying in the earth and also raising up uh, raising up future um, missionaries and sons and daughters of the King. You know, many of our our current would be prophets are telling us, you know, it's it's actually loving to have less kids because too many kids causes poverty. Uh, the the number one contributor to global warming, it said, you know, is 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 overpopulation, and they would just tell us we're headed to an apocalypse because of too many people. Uh, I read a book a few years ago by Dan Brown who wrote The Da Vinci Code. Um, this one was called The Inferno, and it basically has the the thesis that um, that that throughout history plagues have cut the population down, and that's nature's way of you know reducing the population. But now that we've overcome. Uh, medically, a lot of these plagues were overpopulating the earth, and and what you know Dan Brown actually presents is 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 kind of a a way to sterilize half the population. And he the 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 novel gives a kind of a 
it doesn't really say whether that's good or bad. It just sort of says, you know, this was a, what came up. And uh, you know, depending on how you interpret the novel, it's kind of like, yeah, this is what's going to have to happen. I believe as Christians, we would completely stand against that mentality. Um, statistically, by the way, countries that have the lowest birth rates are the ones that are economically struggling. So it just doesn't hold up that a lot of kids equals poverty. You know, for me as a Christian in particular, Psalm 127 tells me that having children is one of the greatest ministries that I can have, uh, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior and blessed is the man who has his his quiver full of them. And so I don't think that means a magic number. And I don't think it means that everybody, you know, is mandated to have a big family. But I do think the heart of the Christian leans a little bit toward a larger family. Uh, we have, Veronica and I have always kind of said, and just, we, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but we wanted to have a minimum of four, because if we just had two, then we're just replacing ourselves on the earth. We're not filling the earth. We're just replacing ourselves. And uh, we're not leaving the world any better off than we came into it. Uh, so, you know, you say, we'll have three. We leave it one better. I'm like, well, you got to have margin for error. You know, like who knows what happens with uh, one of the kids. And then, so our fourth one was kind of like, this is a way of, of saying, God, we want to leave the world a better place than we found it. And so we say kind of tongue-in-cheek. That's why four is the the number that we got to. Ultimately, we prayed through all these decisions, as you should, when and how. You know, family planning has a, a, a role in that. We, we are not the kinds of people, I don't believe you can biblically make a case that you should never use any form of birth control. Yes, there are forms of birth control that ought to be off the table because they, they kind of, they cause abortion or, or increase the chances of abortion. But in general, I think just being able to think through your life and think about timing of children and number, I don't think there's anything um, inherently wrong in that or that you're taking back God's sovereignty from him any more than, you know, putting on your seatbelt removes God's sovereignty and whether or not you die in a car wreck. So I think you can, you can, you can pray through that, but I would just say the instincts of the Christian who is biblically formed would seem to me to lean a little bit more toward larger family. Not a rule, but just it kind of would move you toward that when you think about the Genesis 1 command to be fruitful and multiply and Psalm 127 that children, um, having children is one of the greatest ministries you can have. Um, sometimes I'll get asked this question. You're like, well, what about, you know, we really want to enjoy each other. And when you bring a kid into the mix, you don't know each other as well. I mean, first of all, I, I definitely get that. I understand particularly in your honeymoon stage, you know, however long that lasts, you know, a year or so. There are some, you know, yes, there's some some time that the two of you spend together that's that's very special. But I will just say this in general, I knew my wife less before we had kids than I did after we had them. And that was because there was a part of her that I never got to see when it was just the two of us that I then got to see when when we had kids. Um, her as a mother, that that is such a beautiful part of who she is. And I never saw that. So I almost feel like um, instead of getting less of her when we had kids, I got more of her. So yeah, it's going to cramp your time style. Can't do date night every night. Can't, you know, up and, and run to Hawaii with, you know, 24 hours notice. Uh, yes, that, that is all true. But I do think that you will know each other better and your, your relationship gets richer when you're not just focused on each other, but the two of you together are focused on um, having children and, and glorifying God by raising up future workers to him. I, I will say that you should use that time, whether you're single or newly married without kids, to to learn parenting strategies. Go ahead and start reading um, a lot of these books. Uh, contrary to the Beatles' popular insight, great wisdom, love is not all you need when it comes to marriage and family. You know, most people are totally scrambling when that first kid comes in. I mean, even if you are prepared, I, I try, I'd already read a bunch of books. I felt like I was the most prepared father. And then it's kind of like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a fight plan to get punched in the face and having a kid 
felt like we got punched in the face. Um, I always joke that before we had kids, you know, we had four great theories on parenting, no kids. Now we have four kids and zero great theories on parenting. So if whatever you learn is probably not going to be the, not, you're not going to feel prepared, but at least you can have some of the basic understanding of what kids need, the different stages they go through, what the different stages call for you as a parent, because it changes every four or five years. What they need from you is, is fundamentally different than what they needed from you in the, in the stage before learning how God has shaped them to respond to discipline and the role of discipline. A lot of good stuff to learn. So I would encourage you to, to do that. There you go. Thanks so much, JD. A good question to consider. And, and one of those things that, you know, we maybe think about a little bit, but don't always have a strategic biblical way of planning that out or thinking about how we would want to plan it out. So thanks, JD, for that. Like I said, we got one more. This was our one of our last two. We had this one today, and we got one more um, in our uh, marriage and family series. And I think it's going to be a really good one. It's The question is going to be, should Christians support gay marriage? So um, if you like this podcast, if you're enjoying these, I definitely encourage you to come back and listen to what JD has to say about that one. So we'll see you next week on Ask Me Anything.